What's up, Los Angeles? It's me, your host, Casey Diaz, here at the Shot Caller Podcast. Hey, man, I miss you guys. Um, and the interviews keep getting better and better as we go. We are fighting for California. We are fighting for her cities. We're fighting for the sanity of California. We lost our way in the... But there's still a remnant. There's still people that are in the ring, boxing it out, and trying to make changes. And uh, today, I just want to remind you that the Shot Collar Podcast is brought to you by Michael Pyatt, financial advisor with Primerica Financial Services here in beautiful Burbank, California. And I also want to remind you that if you want to become a supporter, it's very easy. You just visit kcds.net, go ahead and click on that podcast button, and then it will take you to support. You can have three different ways of supporting this podcast. And I know that many of you, uh, we get emails and just so many people trying to contact us. I, I'm so sorry if I haven't gotten to you yet. Um, it, there's uh, I try to get to as many as I can and uh, one by one, but it is a lot of work to just uh, sit there and, and, and read every single one of them. But I do that. And so uh, please know that we are well aware of your emails. And uh, the other thing, too, is we um, have had a, such a great demand on uh, the Schaffler book uh, to be placed in uh, prisons all over the United States. We have gotten a request. Our recent request is from Rikers Island. And then we have another uh, prison in New York, uh, in uh, New Mexico, that is also requesting books uh, anyway that you can uh, sponsor those things. Just go ahead and email me, kcds72 at gmail.com, and we will give you instructions on how to go and, uh, and do that. Now, I'm going to roll a clip for you that um, our guests are here. That uh, our guest uh, here uh, is to share her, to share her story. And um, I know that many of you Maybe you are familiar, maybe you're not familiar with this incident, but I want you to just listen to it for a second. A deputy in a violent struggle with a man in Victorville, she shot him. Then the suspect grabbed her gun and fired at her as she ran for her life. It all happened in the 13,000 block of Cabazon Court in Victorville. KCAL9's Tom Waite is live tonight in our newsroom with more on the dramatic shooting. Tom? Yes, Susie, so surreal. From the second the deputy appears on camera, it's a life and death struggle. She's attacked by a man who seems crazed and out of control, and he gets her gun. Cell phone video captures the horrifying confrontation between a San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputy and a belligerent 21-year-old suspect. Within seconds, the suspect wrestles the deputy to the ground during the struggle, gunfire. The suspect snatches the deputy's gun and shoots at her. Responding deputies race to the scene and confront the gunman. They eventually open fire. By some miracle, the female deputy, Megan Forsberg, was not hit. The 21-year-old suspect was shot and taken by paramedics to a nearby hospital. As he's loaded into the ambulance, you can see what appears to be Deputy Forsberg walking out of the ambulance past the man who almost killed her. 
It was a violent attack, struck her multiple times. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department says the heart-stopping encounter began at a home in Victorville with a woman calling for help because of her son. As you can see in the video, when Deputy Forsberg got to the scene, it didn't take long for the 21-year-old to attack her and take her gun. The good news is the deputy was not seriously hurt in all of this. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department says the suspect is likely to survive. It's believed he was shot more than once. Jeff, back to you. Okay. With us today is, uh, we have two guests here, Megan McCarthy and Nicole Krasnova. And Megan, um, you know, our listeners have listened to this, this, this short clip of an incident that you had when you're responding to a domestic violence call. Number one, thank you so much for being here, uh, you, Megan, and, and, and Nicole, for what you do. Megan, uh, you're a retired, a medical retired uh, sheriff's deputy. Yeah, I retired March of 2022, and thanks for having me here. And uh, Nicole Castronovo, uh, you're a trial attorney. Thank you for being here as well. But thank you, uh, both of you, for being here. Megan, uh, I've listened to so many of your um, interviews uh, on different platforms. One of the things that, that I, from listening to and watching them, I get to see that we really don't see, prior to this event, prior to the shooting, and, the, I mean, uh, it's, it's easy to call it an attempted murder because that's what it was. Yeah, that's uh, what it, it was. That's what it was, and and, and uh, I don't like to lighten it up. It it is what it was, uh, what we saw, uh, what took place. But I've noticed that we don't get to see Megan prior to that, and I want to I want our listeners to know who you were prior to that event. Uh, where'd you grow up at, and what was that moment when you said, um, "Law enforcement, that's where I want to be." Well. I was born and raised in San Diego, and my family and I moved up to the high desert. It's a small little community on the way to Vegas. Normally, people don't know where it is, but I moved there in 2007, and I used to ride horses, so my parents wanted some cheaper horse property. So we planted some roots, and I went to school there, and that's where I've been ever since. And I was originally going to school for nursing. And one of my friends said, hey, Megan, you should come along for a ride along. It's kind of cool to see, you know, the side of this side of helping people. So I went and from that moment on, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be involved with the community and helping people in a different type of way. I'm the first person in my family to be in law enforcement and I never knew anybody else in law enforcement. So I was kind of jumping in just head first, but I was committed to it and I loved my job. So six months later, I started the academy uh, January of 2016, and that was my history. Wow. And, uh, Nicole, um, uh, I've listened to you as well um, <clears throat> on some of the platforms. Um, you become a, an attorney. How does that happen? Well, I wasn't planning on it at first. I, I was born and raised in L.A., and... Um, I actually want to be a makeup artist. That was what I wanted to be. A makeup artist? I wanted to be a makeup artist, and my parents were like, absolutely not. You've <laughs> got to go to college. 
Um, and so while I was in college, I started thinking, maybe I want to go to law school. So I got myself a job as a receptionist at a law firm at 20 and just started answering the phones and seeing what it was like. So I worked my way through college doing that and then uh, took a break and in between college and law school and worked at a criminal defense firm for about six years as a paralegal. And that's where I got into my love of doing criminal defense. And so I sort of kind of fell into it along the way. Wow, that's so cool. Um, Megan, you know, we watched this, this, um, this clip. I don't know how many times I've played it over and over uh, just to kind of prepare for this interview. Um, it's alarming. Yeah, it's disturbing. It's disturbing. It's violent. It's a 21-year-old who has lost his marbles. I think that we're in a space and time where, you know, when I was growing up, and I was involved in, in, st in stupid stuff as well, there was something that we just, you didn't hear that much of, of police officers getting assaulted or shot at or even go through what you go through, what, what you went through. But now it, it's almost like expected to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think a day goes by where there's not a headline from somewhere of a cop that's been killed or almost killed. It's become a, a normal thing where we're like numb to it. You're not surprised anymore. And what do you think that that comes from? What, what What's contributing to, to the problem that we're I, having here? I think there are so many things. I think it's really hard to pinpoint it to one thing. I think you have politicians in Sacramento that have never done the job, have never experienced real life like we've seen, and they make laws and policies for you to enact that are not safe, like Assembly Bill 3070. I think the justice system has enabled crime so instead of holding people accountable we're under the impression that lesser crimes you know like shoplifting or things of those nature well those boil down to more criminal things so if you're beginning shoplifting it's going to turn into burglary or home invasion so we need to stop it at the core level of people but you know i think it's a spiritual war i think people have just lost their way yeah uh, nicole you, you're in courtrooms every day Every day. In fact, you just came from one <laughs> speaking with you a little earlier. Yeah, I came straight from court to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I asked her, I said, how, how was your drive? I know that you, your firm is uh, down the street up, uh, not too uh, far from, from Burbank. And you came from Rancho Cucamonga? Uh, yes. Yeah. I don't know how you got here. Uh, <laughs> Lincoln lawyer. With, with, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you see courtroom drama, real courtroom drama. Uh, how is this affecting you as, as as you go by case by case? I mean, you're seeing a, a, a loose ends from every angle. How does that affect your work? Um, uh, I mean, it, it, I know you're defending the accused, uh, but you all and, and I want to I want to get to the better side of what you also do because uh, when we hear uh, public defender or uh, you know it. We think, oh well, they're defending uh, just that, and and that's what they, they what they do. Um, but how's this? Uh, what changes are you seeing in courtroom uh, appearances here? 
Well, a lot of the work that I do is I represent police officers in criminal cases. So if a police officer is charged for an on-duty shooting, use of force, something along those lines, I represent them. What's interesting is I'm seeing in court a lot of um, people get let out without bail that wouldn't have used to get let out. Uh, people who get probation for things I wouldn't have seen probation for before. You know, I'm sitting there watching the court cases that go on before mine. Um, but then with my cases, because a police officer is involved, it's extremely hard to get any sort of love out of the justice system. The DAs are very, um, it's gotten really political char politically charged under Gascon. I feel like he's using these first responders as pawns for his political gain. And so it's not like I'm going to get a deal out of them. I can't. You know, the, the courts are hardened because they see it's a police officer, so their thoughts are, well, you're a police officer. You should know better, whatever it is. And you, you know, uh, and, and this is, uh, and, it, and you're right, it, it is a uh, Gascon at the helm. Uh, a lot of this is, is him and uh, what he's brought to the table, which is absolutely nothing. It uh, defends criminal activity to the uttermost. Uh, and um, the victim, well, the victim has absolutely no rights. Uh, when you hear uh, things uh, come out of uh, his mouth, uh, and even uh, in, in their PR, you know, uh, I heard uh, this one where, uh, you know, let's stop wearing uh, our watches. Let, let's stop wearing jewelry so that we're not, you know, causing people to commit robberies. Victim shaming. Victim shaming. And, and to, I look at and watch these things and I go, what? Yeah. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So it's the victim's fault for wearing jewelry now uh, under Gascon. It's the victim's fault for driving a nice car. It's a victim's fault for having a, a, living in a nice community. And at the end of uh, whatever crime they commit, uh, they basically get to go home with no accountability whatsoever and and it's the victim's fault one of the uh, I, I posted your video uh, on on my TikTok account it was viewed uh, 150,000 times wow. uh, that's a lot of people mm -hmm. that that this video i was disappointed by some of the comments because I, here's where we are as as a guess a nation or a city or a state you know a lot of those comments were well this is why we shouldn't have women in police exactly i've heard that one if i had a penny for every time i read or heard one of those comments man i would be a millionaire and you know like you said how is it my fault that i'm a female doing this job but if a male did it you know they would have a slew of other issues that they well, he should have done this and he should have done that. The Monday morning quarterbacking has gotten so out of control instead of saying this was a person that committed a crime yeah. against another person who happened to be a cop and a female. That's the problem. Uh, and, and I don't get it. I, and, and there was many of those comments. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of step away and I want to see what people are writing. And it's disappointing to see so many people on that side of the fence that disregard what took place in that incident when this this dude this and i'm gonna call him a coward because that's what he was mm -hmm. 
uh, one of the things that triggered me big time was number one, you know, I grew up with a father that uh, constantly beat my mom. And so I have zero, zero, uh, anything towards anybody, any man that, that does that to a woman. I, I just, they're cowards, period. And this, this is a, a special kind of coward who knew that exactly what he was doing. There's, I mean, it's in video. It's on video. It's caught, captured on, on camera. And, and he gets away with it. And that was the same type of stance that the jury took during trial was I was not worthy of being a victim, A, because I was a cop, and B, because of who I am, because I was a female, well, am a female, and because I like to have my hair done and my makeup done. They said I was not credible. I exaggerated. But if I was a male on the stand, would I have been treated differently? It's just, it's an umbrella of issues that we are dealing with. Nicole, um, can you explain to our audience AB 3070? Because this is what, um, this is how this guy gets away pretty much. AB 3070 is an awful law. It was enacted in 2022. And it applies to criminal trials right now. As of 2026, it will apply to civil trials as well. So every trial in California is going to be affected by this law. <coughs> but basically what it does is it, there's when you do jury selection, there's different types of challenges, right? If you've ever been on jury duty and sitting in that panel, um, you'll see that there's challenges meaning a, a juror can be excused for cause so that's where a judge says okay this juror can't be fair and impartial or may excuse someone because it's too financially draining for them or whatever the reason is a judge can excuse a juror that's a challenge for cause then what we have what is what's called peremptory challenges and that's where me as an attorney i can ask to remove a juror from the jury uh, and so can the prosecutor. And we get a certain amount of challenges for every case. So say you get, you know, six challenges for your case. So you have to strategically use those, right? I'm looking at the jury box. I've got all these people sitting up there. I've got to think, okay, which one do I want to strike and which one do I want to keep? And I only have so many of those. And under the law, under what's called Batson-Wheeler, that's a Supreme Court case law, you cannot excuse a juror based on their race, gender, ethnicity. There's other cases that have expounded upon Batson-Wheeler. And, you know, that obviously makes sense, right? You shouldn't be able to just excuse a juror because of their race. But if there's a reason to excuse the juror, like they say, I hate the cops and the cop is a defendant in the case, I should be able to excuse them, right? Absolutely. So what AB 3070 was designed to do under the legislative history is to eliminate implicit bias in jury selection. So what it does is it takes that Batson-Wheeler case law and it elevates it, makes it even more of a high standard. It used to be under the old ways, under the old law until recently, that if I excused a juror from the jury, I, I exercised one of my peremptory challenges, if a prosecutor thought I was doing so for a racial reason, they could raise the issue, right? They could say, I think Ms. Castronovo is doing this for an improper reason under Batson-Wheeler. And then the burden would be on the prosecution to prove that I was actually exercising that challenge for, for an invalid reason. 
now under this law, it makes it, the presumption is now shifted. The burden is shifted. Now it's on me hmm. to prove that I am excusing people for a rightful reason and a just reason. So that's a big difference right away. And now under AB 3070, there's a laundry list of things that are presumptively invalid to excuse a juror for. Some of those are being inattentive, giving unintelligible answers. But in Megan's case, something that was crucial that that was that harmed her case was that under AB 3070, you are allowed to remain on a jury if you if you state that you have a bias towards police officers. And now if I were to excuse that person, if I was Megan's attorney and I said, well, you know, I'd like to think and excuse juror number two because they said they're biased against police officers. Now the burden is on me to show by what's called clear and convincing evidence, which is just below reasonable doubt as far as a high standard, that no, I'm not excusing someone for, for an unlawful reason. And that becomes really difficult. Say someone said, you know, we're both Latino. I say I said, I'm Latino. I don't like jurors. I don't like police officers because they've been biased towards me. Well, now that that race and that statement's in the same sentence, how do I prove as an attorney that I'm not excusing that juror for a racial reason? makes it really difficult. And so in Megan's case, jurors were allowed to stay on the jury that – that said they were biased towards police, that they could never be fair towards police, that they shouldn't be on that jury because they didn't like the police. So the deck was stacked against Megan from the get-go when you have a jury that's biased against police officers. And, you know, I, I read uh, AB 3070 and, and looked over it. I mean, practically, somebody couldn't take a nap. Yes. And stay on the case. Yes. We had multiple jurors that literally slept the entire three days of my cross-examination and testimony. And they remained on your case? Yep. Not excused? Nope. Unbelievable. And that's scary for me as a criminal defense attorney because I'm defending people to try to keep them out of state prison. Yeah. Or worse. And how am I supposed to do that if I have 12 people that are napping the whole time? How is, how is that fair to a criminal defendant? How is that constitutional? And, you know, I can't believe we're in the place that we're in, in, in life here, in America, yeah, where we lost our way, completely lost our way in, the, in how we operate in, in court, uh, where this guy, I, and uh, so many people, uh, by the way, when I did the uh, little post to kind of promote today's episode, there was a lot of people and a lot of people texting me. Tell us what happened to the guy. Because everybody mm-hmm. assumed, oh, he's locked away, you know, thank goodness, throw away the key. And I was so tempted to, to, to tell them, and I, but I, I waited to this moment uh, because I, I'd rather them hear it from you. What happened to this individual? Absolutely nothing. He, we came back with a verdict, and the very next day he was released from custody. So the jury, he was charged originally with six felonies and the attempted murder on a police officer and assault with a deadly weapon against a police officer. They found him not guilty. They hung on three other charges, including resisting arrest, removing my firearm from me and battery on a peace officer. They could not come to a verdict. 
and they found him guilty of negligent discharge of a firearm, which is, in layman's terms, you're shooting a gun in the air. And that's a misdemeanor. So the sentencing guidelines said that he spent enough time in custody and he was to be released. So the day after, the judge released him, no probation, no anything, just out in the community. For the attempted murder of a peace officer. Time served. Time served. There's a door. See you later. We're sure you're not going to reoffend. Yeah. That was one thing that the judge, I wasn't there when we had our, you know, initial meeting after the verdict was read. But my attorney told me that the judge said, hey, don't do this again. Like, stay with your grandpa and be good. You know, like a slap on the wrist. And I heard this and it was very offensive. Like, how can you watch what happened to me? You heard my testimony. You saw the pictures and all of the witness accounts. And you're just allowing him to be free in our community, hoping he doesn't reoffend. Um, the chances of him reoffending are 100. percent Absolutely. If and in, in his mind, uh, if I could do this to a police officer, to a deputy, I could do this to anybody. There is nothing that I'm gonna. I'm not gonna face any jail time. I'll get away with it. And this is this is where we're at, and this is why we're in the ring. This is why both of you guys are in the ring. You know, I, I often think about, you know, why does these, these things happen to, to well, good people, right? Like that question is always in the back of my head. I think a lot of us think about, well, why did this incident happen? Could it have been prevented? All, all this stuff, right? I think sometimes uh, God allows certain situations to happen to us for the very purpose that he's equipped someone like you someone like you, Nicole, to be in that boxing ring, to make the noise, to sound the trumpet, to, you know, push the alarm button, that things have to change in this state, that things have to change. And I, I think that I'm, I'm so thankful, number one, that uh, not one bullet uh, touched you. I should have died that day. And, you know, when... He takes my gun and I'm on my hands and knees looking up at him and he's holding it against my forehead. I should have died. but And he pulled the trigger. He pulled the trigger. He tried to shoot me and a malfunction saved my life. And I can't help but think that that was God giving me a second chance. That was him giving me the allowance to run and hide just in time that my partner showed up. It's crazy to think of, you know, divine intervention in such a tragic way, but that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely a miracle that you're here, sitting here, uh, and sharing your story uh, to so many people. How do we change this? And what can be done uh, so that we, we, you know, the next police officer, the next deputy, the results are different. In a case like this, what can be done, uh, Nicole? There's a lot that can be done. And, and going back to what you were saying about this man being released, and what message does that send to him? But what message does that send to other criminals? Absolutely. I mean, people are watching this and seeing, well, it can be videotaped in broad daylight. <laughs> someone trying to murder someone. And you walk free away from that. What is the message we're sending? How is, I mean, this is a, creating a very dangerous situation for peace officers. So this has to change. 
And some of the ways that it can change is kind of what we were talking about before we got started here is we all need to be super engaged in what in our communities. And that means voting. Mm -hmm. That means paying attention to who you're voting for. Because this was a bill that was passed by our state assembly. Yeah. So, it, you know, I, I, I get it. We can all get lackadaisical about when it's time to vote um, or researching these state assembly versus Congress versus Senate. Who are we voting for? But you really have to pay attention to who you're voting for because those are the folks that are going to Sacramento and, and supposedly speaking on our behalf and passing laws like this. That's the first thing that we all can do. And anyone who's listening, that's that's like the bare minimum that we can do, right? Absolutely. Another thing that can be done in this case um, is what's called a facial challenge to the law. Um, that means that you, you take this before the court and state that you believe that it's, it's unconstitutional and needs to be changed. I think it's unconstitutional. I think it violates due process. I think it violates people's Sixth Amendment right to a fair trial. I don't think it's a fair trial if you have 12 people in the box who are sleeping while you're on trial for your life. Um, voter initiative, that's another way something can be done in this case uh, to change this law. But it's got to change. And you have to think this isn't just going to affect criminal cases. It's going to affect civil cases pretty soon too. And the problem with that is, with especially with this language about being biased towards police officers, um, you don't have to be a huge cop lover to see that this is a problem. Say you have a car accident case. Say you get hit by a car today. God forbid. I do not want you to get hit by a car. <laughs> yeah, yes, please. Thank but you. But say that <laughs> say that you do, and you need to file a lawsuit, right? Say you're really injured. You need to file a lawsuit. But a police officer was the witness to your car accident, and now you're getting 12 jurors that don't like the police officer. So maybe they won't rule in your favor because, you know, maybe they won't find for you because they didn't believe the police officer in the case. They were biased or maybe they were asleep. So they're not going to rule in your favor. So I want to emphasize to everyone, this is going to touch all of our lives. Yeah. It's not just something that's out there in the ether. It's applying to criminal cases. And then as of 2026, it's applying to civil cases. So it is really important that people be engaged and and vote and then if this does come up for a voter initiative really take a look at it and think about it and, and also what ab 3070 does is uh, you know in, in most uh, uh court cases there's always a police officer that's on the witness stand uh being called in for whatever the case is and somebody could just say well i don't like cops and that's it exactly uh, i mean when even when it like nicole was just saying and it makes me so emotional because people think well, this just affects cops. I'm not a cop. It doesn't matter. But it's wasting taxpayer money because Absolutely. now you're having hung juries. Well, what does that mean? Higher gas, higher food, higher tax, everything. And, you know, like Nicole was saying, when I was working, I would take DUI reports. And sometimes, unfortunately, those would be fatal car accidents. So if somebody looks at me and I'm testifying about, you know, everything I saw and they don't believe me, what does that mean? So we're elaborating on crime all the way around and i had people that messaged me saying i didn't even know ab 3070 existed i don't want to deal with that and they were dropping out of police academies but it's not just about police like nicole said it's about every single person and although i'm very thankful we have brought attention to it if we don't do something about it then what was the point yeah you know uh now we we have uh we've taken uh <laughs> if you're uh 
17 years old and 364 days, uh, one day shy of your 18th birthday, um, well, you could commit a murder and you're not going to see adult prison. You're not going to see adult prison. No matter how heinous that that case is, you will not see adult prison. And the California Youth Authority can only hold you until you're 25. Mm. So we just I just ran into a case that I watched where a uh, young man who was an, a straight-A student uh, had uh, his heart going into the Army, joining the military after high school, um, He's a cadet, you know, uh, and he's just a good kid. Goes to a party. Uh, somebody decides they're going to drive and shoot. They end his life. And this is a current case, actually. And um, the DA has uh, gave him a call, the victim's mom, a call, and said, uh, the person that we have under our custody will not face adult prison time and that's that mm. these are the things that are facing California right now these are the things that need to change you know uh, look I, I made a mess of my life early on and I'm going to tell you this straight up the three strike law was probably one of the best things that ever happened to, to Los Angeles to California because it put away violent cr criminals for a long time, I was one of them. And the best thing that happened to me was that cell on that wall because that's where change started to take place. And I'm just sick and tired of criminals now, man, that uh, all of a sudden there's this, 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 all this emotion towards them and, and you know, oh, they're incarcerated. They're in this eight by 10 cell for 23 hours out of the day, you know, and, and everybody's enamored by the feelings of this guy mm -hmm. instead of what they are actually in there for. And the criminal is not going to tell you, you know, somebody that, that doesn't care about human life, somebody that doesn't care about society, about who they harm. They're not going to sit and tell you, you know, they're going to tell you exactly that, well, it's because society, it's because where I grew up, it was the lack of resources. This is why I'm here. I got a Greek word for that. Baloney. Mm -hmm. You committed a crime, mm -hmm. and that's why you're sitting in the cell. And rightly so. And until you pay all of that debt back to society, and, and, and in some cases, you don't need to be ever out. Right. Ever out. And you shouldn't be crying. It, 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 it just gets under my skin that this is even a subject to talk about. When I look at that footage, this dude doesn't belong out here. No. Period. You have a family. I can only imagine the fear. I mean, in that moment, and it's fast. You might not go home to your kids. Yeah. And that's one thing that I struggled with, you know, just two days ago was my four year alive day anniversary, I like to call it. 
And it's taken up until the last couple months to finally come to peace with where I'm at. You know, it took a long time to process my mental health and deal with, you know, the PTSD and the aftermath. And then I sat there and I was waiting for trial to have my closure, you know, to have my justice through the justice system and to kind of wrap everything up so I could move on. And it was quite the opposite. So now I'm being left to deal with this on my own. And I'm wondering, I'm asking myself, well, what did I do to deserve any of this? What did I do to deserve almost being murdered? And then what did I do to not deserve to be a victim? You know, I don't think that anybody wakes up and says, okay, I'm going to be a victim of a robbery today. Like, let me just go out and do my business. You're a victim because of something somebody did to you. And we have gotten so backwards that we're giving all of the support to the criminal and not the victim. You know, there's things like your Sixth Amendment right, like Nicole was speaking of, and Marcy's Law, which was created in California because of a student that wasn't taken serious up in Northern California, and her boyfriend ended up murdering her. And now Marcy's Law gives victim advocacy. Well, I don't think that because of my occupation, it excused that I'm still a human being because I still have children to go home to. I still have a husband. I still have a mom and a dad and a sister and none of that matters anymore. You're a cop and that's it. Yeah. I was, I was uh, in a conversation with this politician, a career politician uh, and um, you know, very left wing. And we, we were in a, you know, in a conversation and the second that I mentioned, and this is in LA County, by the way, uh, the second that I mentioned law enforcement, her first comment is, I hate cops. Mm. This is somebody that's serving right now. Mm. This is somebody that's serving right now. I hate cops. And I looked at her and I said, I said, that's a pretty, that's a horrible statement that you just said. Why do you hate them so much? Well, you know, they just, uh, they frame Latinos. They frame blacks. And she went in in a whole tangent about that. And I let her speak her, 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 her mind, but I had to step in. And I, and I said to her, I said, so I said, have you ever been a victim of a violent crime? Well, no. I said, so, so, so you really don't have any source, any backbone to speak on this because you, you, you don't know what a victim feels like. And, the clip that I that, that we played earlier, I was very uh, <laughs> I didn't like what the the, the journalist said. He said, uh, "She's fine. Uh, nothing happened to her." And this is a very uh, a misconception of what happens in violent crimes. Just because you didn't get shot to him, nothing happened to you. Mm. No, uh, something did happen to you. Emotionally, it broke you. Spiritually, it assaulted you. That is just as bad. That is just as bad as getting shot, if not worse. But I, 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 I'm, I was talking to, to this lady, and, and I, I'm telling you, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm thinking, this lady serves. Do you see what I'm dealing with now when I say it's very difficult? I mean, being a criminal defense attorney is a very difficult job, right? 
I mean, you're overcoming once you have a defendant in the seat, jurors are automatically yeah. thinking, potentially thinking, well, there's a reason that they're here, right? Yeah. So it's it's tough being a criminal defense attorney. And then when we represent police officers, if that's the attitude of our elected officials, you see what I'm up against. Yeah. Is trying to get them a fair trial is really difficult. And to your comment, too, about what that journalist said, I also despised that comment, she's fine. Megan was not fine. She's her, not fine, yeah. Her, I mean, besides her emotional injuries that she suffered, her face was broken. Yes. Her hand was broken, and she lost her career over this. Mm-hmm. People worked f- incredibly hard to become police officers. It's not easy to do. I mean, there's a huge washout rate from academies. She did that. She made it through that. She was willing to do that, and her career was taken from her because of this incident. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I I get angry when I when I when I played that clip and this journalist and so just nonchalantly says nothing happened to her. Mm-hmm. No, something did happen to you, mm-hmm. and, well, and it was physical and it was emotional and it does have an impact in your life. And I'm and and I'm just man. Yeah, that's one of the struggles that I faced this whole time with mental health, and that's why I speak so publicly about it, and I'm so transparent. You know, I've had dark days. I've had suicidal thoughts. I've tried to take a whole bunch of pills and nothing has worked. And now I'm on the other side of this is my purpose. This is my second chance. I am not going to waste it anymore. I am living. I am breathing. Yeah, I still have my bad days. You know, I will have chronic pain because I have a hip injury that cannot be fixed due to this. And besides that, mental health, you can't see it. No, you can't On the outside, sure. I look, you know, like I'm happy, but on the inside, I'm at war all day long with myself. And that is why I'm fighting for these changes with Nicole, because if we have a whole society who just blanketly say, I hate someone, and you can fill in that blank with whatever, it doesn't make it okay. You can't say, I hate, you know, grocery tellers. I hate these people. You can't just go around and say that. That's not fair. That's not right. And especially in my case, when my life got turned upside down, I am so grateful that I'm here. But if it wasn't for the fact of a malfunction and equipment, a bullet that went the wrong way, I would have died. And then everybody would have cared. All of these politicians would have showed up in Sacramento and... You know, they would have worn their mourning bands and everybody would care on September 4th. Playing the part. Exactly. They they're u- they would use it to their advantage. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, this mom that was killed. But because I was a mom that was almost killed, it's invalid. Yeah. And, 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 and you hit the nail on the head. And that's exactly what, it, what would have happened. And you, you see this so, so many times over. The same politicians, career politicians. That, you know, and I told this lady, I said, you know, I have a problem with career politicians. She goes, oh, I'm a career politician. I said, yeah, I have a problem with you. Mm-hmm. And I have a problem with you because you're double faced. You're double. You, you have a double face. One minute you're you're this way and you're pushing policies and laws and just horrible. You're doing horrible to your community. And as soon as something happens, you, you have this other face mm-hmm. that you're going to face a camera. And you're gonna you're gonna sound like you know you care about your city, when you really don't. By your actions, you really don't. And they don't like hearing that, but I'm gonna tell them. And that's just uh, how I am. And, and uh, my best friend is a you know, police officer, and 
I see this guy, you know, your normal people that have families in an abnormal job. It's a high risk job, and especially in the temperature that we're living in. This is a job that, that, that in my regard, in, in my thought is very underpaid and, uh, and it's not respected the way it should be. Um, and, and I'm just, uh, I'm sick and tired of, of, of people, man, uh, and, and their attitude on, and, and I told her, I said, uh, so if something happens to you, who are you going to call? I hope it's not the PD. Mm-hmm. I hope you're not calling it 911. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, you have tremendous hate for them. So you should be able to handle that violent crime against you. Well, that's the thing <laughs> is all these people that have such strong opinions, they're not living in these communities. They're gated that has an armed guard exactly. at the front. And they have, you know, bodyguards that are armed with them. And they're living a completely different reality. So they're making laws that don't apply to them, but they want to have an opinion about those laws. And I don't think people should be surprised that we are seeing such a huge crime surge right now when police officers are down 25% across the country. That is going to take 15 to 20 years to see that increase if people decide they want to go and do this job anymore. So how can you say you hate a profession but you need that profession because if you don't, we will see anarchy. We will see crime explode. What about your kids and your grandkids? You want to leave this world to them like that? Exactly. I mean, exactly. Look at what's happening in LA right now. I've been yeah. born and raised here. I have never seen LA look like this. And I can't help but think, you know, when, when this profession, Megan's profession is not respected when police officers can be abused and have to be almost nearly killed to have their force be justified in the eyes of those who are analyzing it. And we have these smash and grab robberies going on with the people get released the next day. I mean, we have some serious problems in LA right now and it's upsetting as a lifelong Angelino who loves this city. Um, But you know, what's the message we're sending? LAPD is now down to under 9,000 cops for one of the largest cities in the world early retirement and everything and and how can you hire how is this going to be attractive to young people i mean i hats off to all the young people who are volunteering to go be police officers in this current political climate but also i get it for those who don't want to do it because look at the treatment when if someone who wants to be a police officer sees megan's video sees what happened to her and that the person walked free. What's the incentive there? I mean, yeah. and th- that's why I say God bless to the people who are doing it because they have the heart for that. They have yeah. the stomach for that. They have the soul for that. They should be respected. They shouldn't have their politicians saying that they, they're hated. <laughs> I can't believe she, 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 she said, said that with absolutely no regards to anything. Just boom. Um, It's just disheartening. You, know, you, you think about it and you, you roll everything that's going on in, in LA County and California, period. Um, it, it's, it's disheartening. You, you work, uh, you, you do a lot, a, lot, a lot of work with SEBA. And, and what do you do there? I mean, in, in more detail than what you've shared. So what I do with 
with multiple police agencies is I work as an attorney for them. So if they have an administrative case, I'll represent them in an administrative case. I'm sure everyone's heard of an internal affairs interview. I'll represent them for that. Um, if an officer or deputy is involved in a shooting, I roll out to shootings to represent them in, in a critical incident such as that. And then I also represent both police and fire in administrative cases. Um, and then I also do the uh, criminal defense of both police officers and firefighters. Wow. I mean, uh, yeah, th- there's something that has to happen to you when you, you've, you've actually um, won some uh, acquittals uh, recently. Uh, what goes through your mind when you finally get, you know, that, that police officer's, well, a clean slate all over again? I can't tell you how powerful that is. Um, I had a case that was an acquittal two years ago. It was the first on-duty shooting in L.A. County that had been charged in 20 years, first peace officer to be charged in 20 years, and he was innocent. And, you know, it was a bit frightening to sit there during the verdict, right? That's the most tense time that you have. Verdict comes in, and you know you have a verdict, and you don't know what it is. Yeah. So sitting there waiting for that and just praying as hard as I could. I remember before I started that trial, I prayed for like two hours the night before just because I knew this person's innocent. Like, God, I need your help for this. And when that verdict came back is an acquittal across the board. And in downtown L.A. jury in less than six hours, we got an acquittal on that case. I can't tell you a more powerful feeling and feeling so grateful and and seeing the relief just pour off my client in that moment. I yeah, mean, he gets his life back. I immediately started sobbing. It wasn't, you know, and I wasn't even the one in the hot seat. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to be the one who's in the seat. I yeah, mean, fighting it, for your life. It takes an incredible amount of strength as a person to, to deal with that and have that hanging over your head. In his case, that case had been going on for six years. Wow. So for six years, that had been hanging over his head. I mean, uh, I can't even imagine how to, to deal on a day-to-day basis. I mean, just if you were to abstract um, that case from his life, just on a day-to-day basis, on nor- normal day-to-day, you have battles, right? You have fights, you have bills, you have this, you have that, uh, all you know hitting you at the same time. And then add that, six years of that. Six years. That, that's, that's just awful. It's awful. It's, it's awful. awful. It's awful, but you know what? I'm thankful for the jurors in that case. Yeah. I mean, they saw it for what it was. Yeah. Downtown LA, acquittal in six hours. That's I mean That's that a testament to you. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. It's a testament to our jury system matters. So yeah. I think that's why I'm so offended by this law, right? By that law yeah. That law was not in place when I did that trial. Can you imagine now? Oh, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to even no. go there. Yeah, yeah. That that's uh but obviously you're you're doing a tremendous job in your field in protecting uh well, the lives of those people that serve us uh, with badges on their in their hearts. Thank you. And uh, we're, we're so grateful. As we close here, um, what do you want to see done, Megan? What do you want to see done here on out? Well, first and foremost, I would love to abolish or reform AB 3070. I would love to stand up there in front of these individuals that signed this into law and you know voted for this and agreed to it 
and show them a real life person who was impacted because I think we've lost the human way. We see things on TV and say, wow, that's crazy. It doesn't affect me. I don't care. But it does matter and we should care. So that would be on the top of my list. And then secondly, just advocating for change in mental health systems for first responders, advocating for, you know, real life people that have become victims of crime. I think I unfortunately fall into two weird categories that I'm a cop who was a victim of a crime who didn't get justice. So although it's not something I'm necessarily happy about, I feel like I have a purpose to my life. And then I would love to make some changes in Sacramento and just start getting our state back and getting the right common sense back into everyone's life. Absolutely. Amen. Nicole, what's on your bucket list now? I mean, you know, uh, after you win something like that, after you, 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 you do these things, what's what's on your bucket list? What What's a to-do thing? And for, actually, for both of you. I mean, yeah, I want to lighten it up because, uh, you know, I'm all over here tensed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm like tensed yeah. of just hearing this, this bad news after bad news. My goodness, we have such a beautiful state that needs to be saved. We have a beautiful state that needs our help. If you're listening and you're in Angelino, if you're in California, let's do something to win this state back. Listen, for the past 50 years, and I'm going to cap it at 50. For the past 50 years, you got to say to yourself, this is not working. What we have been, the people that have been in these seats, they're not doing diddly squat for the safety of California as a whole. Let's unseat them and let's get adults that truly care for the safety of Americans here. Let's get some common sense back in these seats, some real hearts, some real people that, that, that care because listen, if we keep going the same route, we're going to go down the toilet in a very high speed rate. Mm. That's just how it is. You know, uh, 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 I, I encounter so many people out there and I, I love talking to people. I love meeting people. I want to be able to tell tourists, you know what? Th this is a place to come to. I really can't say that right now. No, I can't say, Hey, come to California. It's going to, you're going to have a blast. No, you're going to see tents. You're going to see crime and you know, have your head on the swivel because you just never know what's going to happen. That's not a way to live. And we have such a beautiful city, and a beautiful state to enjoy. And we can't enjoy that right now. So if it hasn't been working and, and I'm going to say it just plainly, we have left wing politicians in California for the past 50 years. Those of you that are living in Watts, those of you that are living in South Central, and they try to change the name of South LA like that's going to make any difference. It's South Central. Those of you that are living in the Echo Park area, those of you that are living in the MacArthur Park area, in the Rampart District, in Compton, you got to tell yourself, why isn't it changing? Do I really want to continue to live in an environment like this? And Every single, every single city mentioned here 
You know what I'm talking about. Let's get let's get brutally honest. It's unsafe. There are drugs and there is crime and there is violent crime left and right. Is that what you want to pass down to your children? And if you can change that by simply getting off of the chair and going to to meetings, voting, saying, hey, you know what? We've done it the same way for 50 years. Let's give the other side a shot and let's see what changes. And I think you'd be surprised. I think you I think we all would be surprised to see law and order back in California. I'd like I'd love to see that throughout the entire United States. We have a, a, a beautiful nation, the best country in the world. And uh, uh, I'm proud, man, to, 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 to be here, to be able to, to work here, to be able to, man, do something for, for this country. And, um, you know, uh, uh, this country gave me a second chance. I wouldn't have got a second chance anywhere else. I know that. I know that 100%. And so I'm just one guy trying to make noise and, and speaking to the crowds that listen to us. You know, uh, man, we could do a whole lot better. Let's give the right people that opportunity. We have Nick Wilson. Uh, uh, that's how I met you, Megan, uh, who, who's, man, if you're in, in Chino uh, on that side of, uh, of the aisle, look him up. Assembly District 53. 53. You guys need him. You need him. And, and, and go and get this guy in. There's a, there's a seat for him. He needs to be there uh, filling that seat. Uh, thank you both for being here. I respect your time. Uh, thank you for traveling from, well, f- you from court all the way out there trying to fight traffic, <laughs> Nicole and then Megan. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for what you do. I am just grateful to the Lord that he spared your life and that you are in the mix of a battle, an uphill battle, but you're the right person. You're the right gal to, to do this fight. And make the noise that people need to. People need to change. They need to hear it. They need to hear it, yeah. and uh, you're the right person for that. Thank you. So we are so grateful for your service in law enforcement, and um, may the healing of God continue to rest on you. I know that uh, you know it, it was a violent crime, and and that takes time. Yeah. So whatever time that's needed for you to completely heal, if and I know that God does miracles and. He's the one that could do it. But we're grateful for both of you, Nicole. Awesome to have you um, do what you do, defending law enforcement. And Wow. Uh, super cool to have you guys. Thank you guys so much. Um, listen, if, um, and, and I, I've said this so many times, um, the people that we have here are the real deal. And I never, ever, I never, ever finish an episode by let, letting Los Angeles know there's one way to fix this and one way only. He's the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Put Jesus first. I love you, LA. Till next time. Hey, uh, let's do something about this. Let's make the right changes. God bless you guys.